You've got so many notes here. Let's I've do got it. So it's like a novel. Um, there's nothing we. I mean, we could close all the windows, but I do like the sound of the summer crickets. I like the screaming crickets. You're a little freaked out by them, though. The screaming because it feels like they are screaming. We are legion at me, mm. and when I close my eyes, the crickets are moving closer to the house. Like Children of the Corn, but that which I haven't seen, yeah. but I assume it's about crickets. It it is. You're right. You're you're right. Yeah. Welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. <laughs> we are Legion. We are Legion. Maybe change is coming home. Well, I'll tell you, maybe change is coming home, maybe but the football is. trophy is definitely not, it's not for so England. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. <laughs> I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, I'm British, and I'm stuck in Chicago with this host, Lauren Burke. She's American, she's Team Bronze. Wow. How's that for an intro? Is that our intro this week? <laughs> it was, so harsh. It was angry, wasn't it? Do you, you can it have was. A go. No, it's fine. Hello. Welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. I am your host, Lauren Burke, Team Bronte. And I am your host, Hannah Chapman, Team Austin. And this week... England has lost the football. The World Cup, which, as that woman on TV said, is kind of like the Super Bowl. Yeah. A bit like it. But who's heard of the World Cup, hey? (laughs) (laughs) Not that woman. Definitely. I was gutted. I was in a sports bar and I was watching it and I felt good. Mm -hmm. I didn't realise Croatia scored a second goal. I was eating a chicken wing. Can I just say the weirdest thing happened there, where we were were in this bar, which I think was an expat bar, because everyone was British. No, there were like five British people in there. That was weird. That was weird. It's the World Cup, Lauren. So anyway, we're at this bar. It's huge. It's a crazy sports bar, which there was like... 35 TVs at least. Yeah, there's a TV on every wall. It was like every time you like turned your head and what was really funny is like people would like stand in front of you to Mm -hmm. like get a beer, but it didn't matter because you could just move your head slightly to the left or the right or up or down and you could still find a TV to look at. Yeah. And um, so we're there, we're watching the game. Then Croatia scored that that goal and at the whole bar and me included, I was just like, ah, shit. And, like, I turned and looked at you, and you were like, oh, shit. And it was just so sad. And then 10 minutes later, Hannah goes, wait a minute. Did Croatia score another? Are we losing? And I was like, wait, what? Uh, I don't really understand football. <laughs> I just understand the World Cup. I understand three lines on a shirt. Um, and I understand that it was, for a while, rumored to be coming home. But it, in fact, didn't. It's it hasn't true. come home. Right. It's on the side of a milk bottle. Where is football? It hasn't come home. It hasn't. We haven't seen it for two days. No. When are you coming home, football? Your parents love you and we miss you. Not for a while. At least another, what, four years? How long How long is this? Do we have to wait four for years. another World Cup? That's a long but time. But I will say it's been 27 years since the England World Cup team was in a final. Mm-hmm. Apart from the Women's World Cup team, which is in the... The final three years ago. Okay. So that's a that's a little meme that's going around at the moment. Just reminding everyone that women are better at football than the okay. men are. Good, so good. That's a 
10 minutes of recording and we're just talking about football. Welcome to Football Chat with Hannah and Lauren. I um, I am actually getting a Premier League app. Pra- yeah. So I can watch it. But say it the British way. What's the British way? Premier League. Premier. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've decided to support Liverpool. Yeah. You were going to support Manchester. When we I were like you Manchester City. That's also my other team. But my first team is Liverpool. I'm a, a, a Pompey. I'm from Portsmouth. Mm. Did you know I'm from Portsmouth? So. I've never heard you mention it. No, I've never mentioned you. it. Play up Pompey, they say. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Pompey play. Now, for our podcast, Football Chat, is that what it's called? Um, we're gonna have to learn. <laughs> we're gonna have to learn like the names of football players, because in that bar, like everyone was screaming at certain football players, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you. yeah." The woman next to us, she knew like every single she one knew of them, everyone. And I, I didn't, so I just kept saying, <laughs> "Remember Wayne Rooney?" Because <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. he doesn't. He's not playing the. For no, the he's not. Anymore. No. So, yeah, I heard that in passing. So, speaking of Jane Austen. <laughs> This episode is an Austin episode. It isn't, yeah. Believe it or not. It's not football and it's not Bronte. It's Austin. We have done something very exciting. I say very exciting. We have? Yeah, we watched two Austin biopics. We did. We watched the the two Austin biopics. Yeah, yeah, I I believe there are only two. Yeah. Are there only two? Okay. Oh, actually, no, there's one more from 1971. Oh, what's that one? I don't know what it's called, but I saw it mentioned somewhere in an article, and I can't remember. Guys, I'm sorry. We're not prepared. We come to you, we pretend like we're ready to do these interviews. As the woman at Gaskell's house said, we pretend we're experts. Mm-hmm. And we're not. No. I Yeah, not a football expert, not a Jane Austen expert. I am expert. a football expert. Really? I proved that just now. I said oh. all the football facts. Sure. I said it's coming home. Right. It didn't come home. It, Yeah. So, Jane Austen. <laughs> so this episode uh, is called Miss Chapman Regrets because uh, <laughs> I was on my way to Chicago and I thought I'd listen to some old episodes of mm-hmm. Bonnets at Dawn and I realised that I have had a lot of opinions over the past year and maybe some of them are not correct. anymore or maybe like I don't agree with them um Mm -hmm. I've read uh one and a half more books than I had okay when we started the podcast I've read no I've read like a lot more books than that but um I've read Helena Kelly's Jane Austen The Secret Radical Mm -hmm. I'm plowing my way through Paula Burns The Real Jane Austen Mm -hmm. A Life in Small Objects Small Things something like that something like that and then we re-watched uh Becoming Jane and Miss Austin regrets, and I just, I think all of that together, I was just looking at Lauren and I was like, I think I need to talk about Bath again because yeah. I think I was wrong. She was very serious, guys. Like she got off the plane and like opened the door to my car and was like, Lauren, we need to talk about Bath. And I was like, I, Oh God! <laughs> I well, I was sat on the Jane plane reading about um, reading about Jane Austen in Bath. That's true. And, That's true. So I, th- I feel like Jane's spirit. Mm-hmm. Also, From I'm the calling plane. her Jane because it rhymes with. The Austin plane, mm-hmm. the Jane mm-hmm. Austin plane was what I was on. Um, I feel like Austin spirit um, took me over and just whispered, "Remember Bath." Yeah. Remember Bath. Reevaluate. Reevaluate Bath. Yeah. It's not the first thing we're going to talk about, though. No, it's not. You're going to talk about 
we've ticked off football. Right. We've ticked off doing a really bad intro. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about Jane Austen's love life. Ooh. A little bit. Oh, yeah. It's exciting. Is that exciting? Yeah, I didn't know we were going to do that. Can you, Lauren, can you list to me um, the people that you reckon Jane Austen had a snog with? I, so here, here's my theory on this, actually. Okay. Especially after watching Miss Austen Regrets. Yeah. I think she had a lot of snogs. Yeah. I think there's like a whole bunch yeah. and all of the letters have been burned. Yeah. And also maybe she's not writing it in letters. Yeah. Because you don't want to admit to. I think she would tell Cassandra like who was a good snog and who was not. Yeah. In person. Yeah. She you might. Know, like your mum might read it. That's yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously both Becoming Jane and Miss Austin Regrets are works of fiction. I yes. would say that I prefer um, Miss Austen Regrets because it the the Jane Austen that exists in like my head canon, the one that I feel like I you know relate to or like see in the works, um, I think is like more in line with Miss Austen Regrets yeah, than totally. Becoming Jane. I think Becoming Jane does fall into like well, I don't even I think that I think Anne Hathaway is unwatchable in that film. I just think it's like it's very superficial. It's mm-hmm. not very re- it doesn't feel real. Um like Jane Austen doesn't feel real in oh, it. She's yeah. just like, "Oh, Mr. Lefroy. Oh, take that back. I'm Anne Hathaway doing a terrible British accent." Yeah, it's really she's so Oh, it's just not good. Beautiful. Um, Looks oh, great. Beautiful film. And it's well constructed. The mm-hmm. costumes are gorgeous. I, as I told Wonderful you, I thought everything cast. was a little bit glossy. Yeah, it's a Hollywood do. film. I mean, it's obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't understand her interpretation of Jane Austen. Mm. Like, I think it's probably not only her fault. I'm sure it's the script as well, because it's very much like, I'm like this quirky writer type. Well, I, don't, I don't think she was playing Jane Austen. I think she was playing Elizabeth Bennet. yeah. Which yeah. is like, that's the film, isn't it? Like, the film is Jane Austen's life meets Pride and Prejudice, and like, we're gonna fictionalize it to make it seem more like this book. Yeah. And I think that Anne Hathaway was playing Elizabeth Bennet. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I didn't get Jane Austen from it. I got no. Anne Hathaway. No. I also got, got the whole, like, I mean, I just, whenever you see a writer in a film, it's like everything that the person talks about has to relate back to something that they are writing. Yeah. And she just, she was not interesting, too. She no. was just not an interesting just, person. Yeah. She was also wasn't very confident. She wasn't very, like, She was, like, the funny. least compelling performance in the film. Yeah, she really And was. I like Anne Hathaway in other films. This isn't, like, even Anne Hathaway is wrong for the part or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like, I don't know if it was the script or the direction. Like, Anne Hathaway, I've seen her and I've not hated her performances. Well, here's something that we were talking about earlier while drinking. Okay? Yeah. I don't know if I should bring it up on the podcast. Guys... Oh no, what? I'm talking about big dick energy. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. So recently watched Ocean's 8, which Anne Hathaway is also in. How big's her dick energy in that? Not good. Not big. Not big. She she just has has sort of a neediness to her Mm -hmm. that um I I don't know. Have you seen the intern? You haven't. Oh. Yeah, I just Anne Hathaway doesn't sort of command a room. Yeah. And that's especially evident in a movie like Ocean's 8, like next to someone like Kate Blanchett, who just, I don't know if she had any lines in that movie, but she would just walk into a room in a cool outfit and you're like, I want to know more about you. Like, I want yeah. you. Like, what's going on with you? And I do actually think 
Jane Austen had big dick energy. Like, I think she actually could command a room. I do think she was confident and witty. What's the name of the actress who's in Miss Austen Regrets? I think it's Greta Saatchi or Scotchy. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm so I'm sorry, gonna... Greta. Greta, I know you're a big listener. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I think you're wonderful. If you are listening, I think you're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're she so commands good. a room. She was in um, that Joss Whedon show, Dollhouse. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. She's got great energy. Hey, Leanne, do you, do you watch Dollhouse? You've watched every other weird show I've mentioned. Dollhouse, let's talk about it. Listeners, let me know. Did you watch it both seasons? Just the one for me. Just the one? Yeah. Yeah. So. It only needed one season. <laughs> what a really terrible did. show. It really did. So I thought that, um, I thought that yeah, Miss Austin Regrets is like, I don't know if it's like, so uh, Becoming Jane is like Jane in her early 20s, mm-hmm. Miss Austin Regrets. Kind of starts in Jane's late 20s. It starts with the proposal from Harris Big with her when Jane is 27. Harris was 21. She turns him down. And then it fast forwards to the last few years of Jane's life when, uh, so it's around 18, 15, 18, 16, around sure. that time, because she's in the process of writing Persuasion. Mm-hmm. Um, her, ne- her niece, Fanny, is kind of like dating this Mr. Plum, dating. She's like chatting up. Yeah, yeah they're they, ch- you know, like they're in like their equipment. own time. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, they're going on like some dates. It's they're like Imogen Poots. Poots. You love her. Um, you were so thrilled when you saw her. You were like, oh, oh, Imogen Poots is in this. I was like, <laughs> okay. And then baby Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, Tom Hiddy's in it. Oh, Hugh he, Bonneville. Love Hugh. Hugh Bonneville's great. He's we'll talk about always Hugh. great. But Greta, big dick energy, always great. Greta, massive dick energy. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about it was that it just, like, they weren't trying to make Jane Austen, we're talking about this in, when we interviewed Izzy, uh, Isabel Greenberg, we, um, kind of this idea that, like, Jane Austen doesn't have to be good all the time. And in right. Miss Austen Regrets, she is a little bit sharp, she's a bit jealous, she's a bit catty. Yeah. She's a bit flippant, she's a bit glib. I think she underestimates how much her niece is, like, relying on her to kind of make like give her really good advice, be a really good aunt. And people are looking at her like, you should be fulfilling this part. And she's like, well, you know, I'm just living my life. I just want yeah, some yeah. money. And it, I don't like that as well as um, Paula Band's book and just all of it. It was almost like, I think I've been, I've been allowing becoming Jane to influence me way more than this other stuff. Really? And like, Miss Austin Regrets, still a work of fiction. Like, there's all sorts of stuff in there that people dispute and, like, they sure. put emphasis on stuff. And, like, yeah, fine. It's a film. That's going to happen. Yeah. It's a biopic. They want to fictionalize stuff. But I think the difference for me is that Miss Austin Regrets is based on her letters. Yeah. It's based on her letters. It's based on, like, things that were actually said. And I don't feel like the crowbarring is as much of a stretch trying to get people in. Whereas Becoming Jane, I feel like they've said, we want to make Pride and Prejudice again, but we're going to put a spin on it. And the spin is that joke, it's Jane Austen. Yeah, I think in Becoming Jane, she's very twee, isn't she? And she's mm-hmm. very likable and very, I'm going to say like bonnety. She yeah. is this very sweet image of Jane Austen. And again, like a very, she's almost like, like soft spoken. I don't know if that's Anne Hathaway, just not being confident in the accent, but she's almost like very, but that's what I like, was saying Hello. to you. Like oh, the accent, you know. it's not like a terrible English accent, but I think because so much effort is being put into it being an a English accent that you're not actually getting any emotion yeah, yeah, and yeah. any nuance. And even the bit where she is kissing 
uh, Tom Lafroy for the first time in the moonlight. It just felt like a bit outdated. Like they're under a tree. She just, she is lit by the moonlight. She's breathless, like a heaving bosom. She's yeah. like, oh, Mr. Lafroy. And it's like, stop it. The reason I brought it up is because Jane Austen, um, Paula Byrne's book just lists all of these guys, like all of these guys that Jane Austen was kind of involved with or like had an understanding with or perhaps were introduced oh, to her. Really? And there's like, there's a lot more than I think people give credit for. And also okay. there's this idea that like, I think maybe I haven't like actively challenged in myself, but we talk a lot about like a woman can, a woman can love, um, have like unrequited love and mm-hmm. it's still, it's still valid. A woman can, be single when she dies, but still have experienced romance in her right. life, all of these different things. But I think the Tom Lafroy thing that uh, Becoming Jane does is it kind of paints this picture that she spends the rest of her life wishing she was with Tom Lafroy, when right. realistically, this is a man she met when she was 21. Yeah. And life moves on. Right. And like, I'm 28 now, right? And like, I've dated a lot of guys and I've kissed, I've kissed people and, you know, like, I've gone on dates and it hasn't right. worked out since I was like eight years old. Oh. Not, you know, I haven't been kissing since I was eight, <laughs> but like I've had like a crush on someone since right. I was eight. Yeah. And if yeah. I happen to die alone in the sense that I'm not in a relationship, mm-hmm. that stuff hasn't disappeared. Right. That stuff, like it hasn't ceased to exist. And so heaven forbid that someone would then turn around and go through my diary or my text messages and decide that one arbitrary meeting with a guy that didn't work out when I was 21 right. is the love of my life and they make a film about it. Exactly. Because I can tell you who I was dating when I was 21 and he wasn't. So, <laughs> you know, actually there are two of them because I, you know, dated a couple of guys then. Um, but, and so it's like, it's kind of this approach and what I kind of appreciate about Paula Byrne's book is just like, it just kind of bashes through. It's like, by mm-hmm. the way, here's this person and this is a reference in this letter and like, this is why we think. Family legend is that she uh, had this thing with a sailor that can't be proved mm-hmm. in any letters that have been like found. That's just like something right, right, that right. family There's talk the seaside about. seaside romance rumor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would say is that actually, if you are interested in reading, if you've watched these biopics or if you want to like think a little bit more outside of the ones that we usually talk about, which is Lefroy, Big Wither and the Seaside Romance. Those mm-hmm. are the three that I think I have said on the show are her three romances. Right. There are more than that. And like something something that we do as well is that there are so many like quotes in Jane's letters that you can like say, oh, this quote proves that she was in love with Thomas Lefroy. Mm-hmm. But it's it's always worth remembering the stuff that people aren't quoting or like aren't talking about which because it's what cognitive bias when you find the evidence that matches your argument so this is a quote from a letter which directly underneath jane going on about how much she likes thomas lefroy um she says but as to our having ever met except at three last balls i cannot say much for he is so excessively laughed at about me at ash that he's ashamed of coming to steventon and ran away when we called on mrs lefroy a few days ago and what i like about that is like it's a crush, man. He's a young yeah, guy. Yeah. It's like families teasing people and we just build it up into this, like we work ourselves into a froth about it. Right. And it's just, you know, and like, I think I just need to check myself on that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Cause like I read, I read Persuasion. I'm like, oh man, Jane Austen's writing about unrequited love. Like she yearns, she yearns. It's like, she's a writer. Right. That's what she's doing. This is her job. 
Yeah. Today. Well, it's like that with the Brontes. I mean, we are just looking. We don't we don't have much left. The letters are yeah. mostly gone and we just want to like paint the rest of the picture basically. And um, yeah, I understand the urge to do that. And we have we have all these quotes about Tom LaFroy and we can paint like a really romantic picture about the two of them. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there were other dudes, guys. Yeah. Like, like she Ed- was 20, uh, 21. Like, Edward Bridges, on. maybe not the doctor, Mr. Hayden, who's uh, in Miss Austin Regrets. Mm-hmm. Like I read around that a little bit and there's loads of people who are just like, wow, this has been blown out of proportion. And also he's probably cracking onto her niece. Mm-hmm. He does crack onto her niece in the show. It's just, she's involved in like a love triangle about yeah. it. And I think they like wrote, she's like, oh, he's not quite a man. He's like an angel. Mm-hmm. And like, I read it afterwards and I was like, it sounds like she's just describing a guy that her niece fancies. Mm-hmm. But then in the show, they do a really good job of like getting the Greta lady to name basis with her to deliver those lines in a way that you're like, you're right. Like we're just looking at a written word and we don't know what the tone is and we don't know what the subtext is and we don't right. know what conversations Jane Austen has gone and had afterwards with mm-hmm. her sister. So, you know. Yeah, I, gosh, I didn't think I would like Miss Austin Regrets as much as I did. Probably because I had only seen, like, the opening scene of it and just, I wasn't, like, I wasn't feeling the title. Because mm-hmm. I thought it really definitely, um... It tricks you into thinking it's going to be that Miss Austin is sat there regretting all of these l- past loves. But, yes. like, that's the joke. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what I assumed that it was about. But then when we watched it, I was like, no, oh, wait, I really like this. I like how, um... It was very stripped down. Like one of the first things I said to Hannah was, oh, I really like this bedroom that Cassandra and Jane are sharing because this actually reminds me of Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, it totally like I feel like this is real. And the costumes felt like very down to earth and realistic. Whereas in the Anne Hathaway version, I'm like, oh, gosh, the the opening scene, I was like, these are like some lavish costumes. Oh, they seem like they're actually much better off than they were. And again, it's hard it's hard to pinpoint like how much is like oh this is just what a costume drama looks like because right. people want to see it and they want to see like lavish or like the joe wright one there's like pigs in the yard and everything's like kind of grubby and it's like mm-hmm. is it as grubby as that like where's the middle ground like what right. do you think it is i'd lean towards things maybe being a little grubbier than a lot of costume dramas right Kind of. Well, I thought Miss Austin Regrets was like a really nice middle ground. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I feel like I haven't seen this middle ground before. It's either grubby or it's either like high end. Also, how refreshing was it that the actresses looked like they were playing women in their 40s? Yes. Late late 30s and 40s. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, she just was like, she was funny and snarky and felt like a woman, just like a woman who knew her own self like what was really upsetting in becoming Jane was just like how and I know she's supposed to be playing a 20 year old Jane but I just like Anne Hathaway is so soft spoken and shy and just like demure Mm -hmm. and and there was no character there sex up the men they're like oh Tom Lefroy is having a fist fight and Henry's like snogging these like wanton women and maybe they were doing that but like why are we making the men so macho and then literally stripping Jane Austen back to you yeah breathlessness like how how has that happened in the Jane Austen biopic like how how is that what you're taking from this yeah livid livid didn't like the film enough saw it the first time didn't like it as much the second time no really didn't like it today I just she doesn't seem like a person that would be able to pull off writing 
anything that she wrote like any of the books or any of the letters too I'm like that doesn't match the person who wrote those letters but in Miss Austin Regrets Greta really does like Mm -hmm. I'm like oh yeah yeah I buy that you would you would write these lines and like um I buy sort of the the heartbreak that they're selling Mm -hmm. actually they're selling the same heartbreak in Becoming Jane um but I I don't I don't get it they are saying that like Miss Austin Regrets is still doing the thing like Jane Austen's life is influencing her work. They're, they're kind of showing you the persuasion bit. And I will talk... Well, I'll say it now. I am I thought that my, like, Jane Austen is Lady Russell. I thought I had that thought on my own. But actually, re-watching Miss Austen Regrets, I think, I think I'm cribbing it from that. Oh, so yeah. credit where it's due. Like, they, they make that connection, definitely. Mm-hmm. They don't spell out and go, by the way, Jane Austen's... Um, lady russell right. but they do include quotes to fanny's letters they like some of it is delivered as a letter some of it's just delivered as dialogue in the conversation mm-hmm. some of it's cut to um jane reading or writing persuasion but they're right. definitely making that connection between jane austen giving advice to a younger woman and kind of like saying to her this isn't the way and almost like you don't want to be like your aunt cassandra yeah, I so if you guys haven't seen Miss Austin Regrets, like spoiler alert, it is about Jane and Fanny's relationship mostly. Yeah, and um, Fanny is like you know dating young Hiddles and trying to decide whether or not she should marry him, and you know Jane is like whatever you're young, did you, you can pick do up on the better? Did you pick up on the um, the mirroring of um, Plumtree and Fanny and uh, Jane Austen and Edward Bridges? Oh Hugh yeah, character. yeah, that was really fun, actually. So Hugh Bonneville is um, a gentleman who some people um, believe I'm with them. Um, he like paid Jane Austen like particular attentions on a few visits. He was like a family friend of Edward, mm-hmm. I think. And like, I think the guess there is that he made an offer and was refused. And like, I think maybe that's the the Miss Austen regret. That's the regret creeping right. in. And there are these great scenes where uh, Fanny is talking to this Mr. Plumtree guy and saying like, oh, you're very serious and you won't dance. And then um, on either side of them are Jane Austen and Edward Bridges kind of sat there listening to them. And then there's a point later on where I think Jane Austen says to him, do you regret not asking me to dance? Or he says, I regret not asking you to dance. Mm -hmm. And like, it's the parallel between like a serious young man not not actively pursuing a young woman and her of eventually turning him down. Right. But the difference is Fanny does go on to marry. Yeah, she does. And that's the end. And it's sadness. It but is sadness. I do um see the parallels between her and Lady Russell and like what I think I really appreciate about persuasion and we talked about this a lot in our persuasion episode, so you know, go back and revisit that. But um, is that there's like a subtleness there. Like Lady mm-hmm. Russell in other books could be cast as a villain, but she's not a villain. She's just a woman who... I think she's the first time you read it. At least she was to me. I was like, oh, Lady Russell is a bitch. And now I'm like, I'm Lady Russell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's just giving... She is giving advice from the heart. And yeah. it is like... it yeah. is. It's not bad advice. And I, you know, and I think they, they make a really nice, subtle comparison in Miss yeah, Austin absolutely. Regrets. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I buy this theory, actually. So we're going to move on to Anne Lefroy. So Anne yeah, Lefroy yeah. doesn't appear 
in Miss Austin Regrets. Um, no. Sadly, uh, she had passed away uh, at that point in Jane Austen's life. She is a character that you do see a little bit in Becoming Jane. Now, um, I'd like to give you a bit of background before we talk about her portrayal or no portrayal in these Ooh. two adaptations. Anne Lefroy is going to be like the key character or a key character in my adaptation of The Watsons. So yeah. remember in our Bath Road Trip Diary, I said, and I'm repeating this now because I will write the screenplay and if someone else writes it, I know this doesn't count as copyright, but it's evidence that I'm going to take to court with me. It that is. this was my idea. Yeah, what is the date? And it's like time <laughs> What day is it? Thursday, like, July 12th. And it is um, 9.17 in the evening. So my biopic about Jane Austen, which is going to be set in Bath around the time that Jane Austen's writing the Watsons, and it's going to cut between the unfinished manuscript and Jane Austen's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne Lefroy is going to be um, a character. Now, she is someone who appears in Becoming Jane very briefly as like this kind of distant, older family friend. But the reality of the situation is that Anne Lefroy was one of Jane Austen's closest and dearest friends. She's not just some older woman who introduces her to a guy. Like, it's so offensive. This, this friendship was so important to Jane Austen becoming a writer and being the person that she was. Like, I have friends who are like 10, 20, 30 years older than I am. And like, I know not every, like not everyone has that, but these friendships are really important. And for Jane Austen to have the, to have an older woman who is in a position of being able to invite her to her library. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Lefroy loved literature. They had these great chats. It was almost like she was her patron in right. a way. She okay. kind of saw, uh, Jane Austen was invited to go and play with Anne Lefroy's younger daughter, who's a few years younger than Jane. And that's how they meet, is that Jane's going to be a playmate for this other child. But then they have this connection, they have the spark, and Anne Lefroy is just there, like, encouraging it and encouraging that in her. Um, some people also think that Anne Lefroy um, put an end to Tom Lefroy and Jane Austen's relationship. I mean, because when Hannah no told money. me this, I was, like, livid. I was like, what? And I nearly flipped a table, and I said, why isn't this in the movie? Yeah, the thing that I'm livid about is this, like, amazing friendship between these two women, one of them who is related, like, right. the aunt she is the aunt of thomas lefroy so we have a kindly lady catherine de berg like how is that not the twist you have yeah instead you have so the lawrence fox's character mr wilsley and his auntie um lady gresham fictional right fictional the harris big with a proposal comes six years after jane austen meets thomas lefroy Mm -hmm. and so when they made um becoming jane they were clearly like oh we need to have like a rival in there yeah yeah. and the the main rival from you know the story clearly like this like collins and a lady catherine de berg stand-ins basically lady gresham and lawrence fox's character but it's it's kind of like you could have there's so much you could have done and for me i think the key character that they missed a trick on is anne lefroy yeah and like, I mean, Anne Lefroy is, she's Lady Russell. She's Lady Catherine de Berg. She's a friend. She's someone like, we think, I think we say like, oh, Jane Austen is really close with her sister Cassandra, but she had all of these amazing friendships. She had like mm-hmm. this network of women around her. And like, we've got to stop just saying, oh, she was really good mates with Cassandra because right. Lizzie Bennet is really good friends with Jane. Mm-hmm. Like, pathetic, stop it. Um. <laughs> God, I'm on a, a little tirade. Um, unfortunately, Anne Lefroy did die when she was 55. She died in a riding accident. And okay. uh, it was a month 
before Jane Austen's dad died. So Jane Austen uh, was living in Bath when it happened. We'll talk about Bath in a minute, but um, that would have been a great. I, I think that would have been a great twist in the movie of like you know their friends, and then Anne Lefroy is the one that puts yeah. the stop to the relationship. And I turned to Hannah, and I'm just like, wait, why is this not in the movie? And you made a really good point because the film isn't about female friendships. The yeah. the film is about Jane Austen getting a leg over a guy. And I'm like, I want this movie to be about female friendships. And so that's what my film, The Watsons, is about. <laughs> be the change you want to see. Guys, if you want me to right. write my Watsons movie, find me a producer and we'll fight. I don't know. Remember when I was going to cast Tom Hanks as Emma Watson? I'll still do it. <laughs> okay, next up. What else did Miss Austen Regrets challenge me on? And all of all of the books that, that I've read and like maybe just our discussions and talking about her with other people... Um, it is it is ambition. So yeah. in our Mansfield Park episode, I shared the story of uh, Jane Austen pushing for Mansfield Park to be reprinted, despite it not being reviewed and not selling as well as her previous books. Um, it ate into the profits of Emma. Hundreds of copies hadn't sold, um, I think like a year or two after the reprint. And I've also said in previous episodes that uh, Jane Austen was not an ambitious writer and that the difference between her and the Brontes was that Jane Austen's needs to write was a creative need to write and not a financial needs to write as if that was a thing that you could separate people by but there is like we again and I'm like I'm feeding into this idea I'm feeding into this tradition of saying that Jane Austen was genteel and she was writing because she wanted to write and she wasn't career driven and there's a line in Miss Austen Regrets where she's I can't remember what exactly she says but it's almost like I yeah it'd be nice to have some money like she's talking about money a lot and she's talking about business with her brother and she's talking about printing Mansfield Park she's talking about Emma she's talking about like how good it'll be for sales to have the Prince Regent like on like on the on uh, dedicating the book to the Prince Regent and all of these things she wanted her book to be recognized she and she was fighting against this pushback from her family because you know her family want becoming Jane that that's who the Austin brothers wanted Mm -hmm. her to be remembered as but I think it's our duty to remember her as Miss Austin regrets yes like and so I just I think I see stuff like this I see like I read things and then I just feel guilty about it. Like I have this guilt that I'm part of the problem, like perpetuating this idea that Jane Austen's just sitting at home in her cap, writing these books. She's not bothered if if they get published or not. It's kind of like, if they do, it's buy and the buy, it's pin money. Her brothers are paying her bills, right. all of this. But that wasn't the case. Right. I think it's a hard space to navigate because what was kind of brought home for me was that Obviously, her brothers didn't want her to be seen as someone that needed to write for money because, Mm -hmm. you know, how bad that would look. They do a really good job of um, having that conversation with Edward in Miss Austin Regrets where he's like, imagine how that would look for us. Exactly. So it's like you have that happening. But then at the same time, she does need the money. Mm -hmm. So it's just like. Yeah, so it's 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 difficult. And that is a huge difference between the two movies. So Becoming Jane, it does feel like she's just. She is just writing out of a cre- creative need to write, and, and because she's she like an eccentric. Maybe she was in her very early 20s. But also, right. she was pushing to get her books published in her early, t- you know, in yeah. her early 20s. I mean, like, in Miss Austin Regrets, she just seemed like a businesswoman. Exactly. So, 
She seems yeah. like a boss ass bitch. She's got big dick energy. She does. Yeah. Um, and then I guess that brings us on to Bath. 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 Re-listening to the um yeah, say bath. 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 Alright, Anne. Anne Hathaway. <laughs> um, yeah. I guys, re-listen to the Bath Road Trip diaries. That's an interesting one. I definitely am guilty of going on a huge rant about Bath mm-hmm. in that episode and kind of I think maybe oversimplifying the situation and something that the real Jane Austen, the book has made me reconsider a lot is just that Jane Austen's relationship with Bath as a city is, it's complicated. It's very easy to pick sides in this debate. I know I have picked a side and like dug myself in and it's either Jane Austen loved Bath and if that's your opinion, then you're uninformed or Jane Austen didn't love Bath and that's and you know that because you know the context of the situation but actually people can have these super complicated and ever-changing and shifting relationships with a place and i think that is the answer to the bath the the bath question yeah did jane austen like living in bath sometimes with like there was stuff that she loved about it and there was stuff that she didn't love about it and um, she didn't love all of her family's belongings being sold to accommodate the move mm-hmm um, and to accommodate an older brother and his clutching wife that she did not get on with. Mm-hmm. So like the move itself going to Bath, not a fan of that. She didn't love her father passing away while she lived there. She didn't love her, like one of her closest friends dying back home. Right. And she's not there because she's in Bath. She didn't love having an uncertain future, uncertain financial conditions. Um, she didn't love living in a city where her aunt had been arrested for shoplifting. Yeah. We her need to do like a whole it. episode about that. Yeah, we do. And again, Paula Byrne's chapter on that, really interesting. And mm-hmm. also the idea that that's why when the family are like, oh, by the way, we're moving to Bath and like Jane Austen's apparently like faints or is like close to fainting. It's not because, maybe it's not because she's being shipped off to Bath to go and get married. Maybe it's because it's like this big scandal has happened right it's involving their family and you know it's society and we're just gonna step right in the middle of it yeah exactly like oh and we're gonna move there um you know but things she did love jane austen loved shopping Mm -hmm. she loved theater she loved being entertained she loved going out and about um she loved seeing her friends she was very she was a sociable person Mm -hmm. and so being in somewhere and being in a place like bath would give her more opportunity to kind of do these things that she enjoys and would distract her and like kind of give her some other stuff to do. But that doesn't mean she'd want to live there forever. That doesn't mean that she's going to be like completely thrilled about the situation. But that does paint a very different picture to Joan Austin going to Bath and sitting there having a sulk for five years because she didn't want to live in the city and that there was no joy for her there and that everything was miserable. Right. The family didn't really have enough money to live there in kind of like the luxury that perhaps would have made it more comfortable. Like their lodgings were damp. They did have to move around a lot. Her dad did die. But, you know, her tone in the letters, Paula Byrne points out that like her tone is kind of like more positive. Mm-hmm. And like she does talk about like how varied things are and the, the shopping. She just talks about the shopping a lot. So, yeah. Saying she hated Bath, oversimplification. And another thing in the road trip diary that I say that I want to address directly is that I think I said that um, if you look at the characters that love Bath, the Lady Russells and the Isabella Thorpes, 
Um, those are the characters that like Bath, and they're the bad characters, and it's like the heroines who don't like it, so we should listen to them. But then that suggests that Jane Austen is only ever speaking through her heroines. Right. And that these side characters are the ones who are like immoral or impure. But our Mansfield Park discussion made me really reconsider that because you're looking at Edmund and Fanny as being like, we're always right. And like everyone else is wrong. But actually that wasn't the case with that whole book. So maybe again, the characters' opinions are different. Maybe some of what Anne Elliot thinks is Jane Austen's opinion, but some of what Lady Russell says is also Jane Austen's opinion. Sure. And maybe none of it is because it's a (laughs) book. Right? So there's that. Yeah, so... It's a retraction on Bath. A retraction. A retraction on Bath. And my own relationship with Bath is complicated. So how did I not make that? Because you're always fighting sort of like the association that people immediately make is that, you know, like she is from Bath. Like she loved Bath. Like the Mm -hmm. city inspired her and that is something that the board of tourism in it bath did has really she obviously like, cares like it enough has about but it. i think yeah. everyone thinks that it's all about bath and mm-hmm. that's not the case but i worry that i was like overcorrecting. sure yeah like going too hard the other way like oh, oh she hated it like i yeah well the, this is the apology letter to the no one's gonna listen bath. they'll like listen to that what episode 10 and be like this girl doesn't know what she's talking about (laughs) they're not going to get to episode 50 and then be like oh don't worry guys she retracted it uh the other point that paula byrne made as well um i'm nearly done don't worry (laughs) 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 this is a long list of things i think i got wrong um yeah just the idea that jane austen stopped writing while she lived there Mm -hmm. she sold susan in 1803 she was living in bath in 1803 so she was pursuing publishing right she didn't finish the watson she abandoned the watson shortly after mm-hmm. her father in and the freud's deaths um but we have reason to believe that pride and prejudice was with her and that she was redrafting that um potentially sense of sensibility like susan was definitely there because she sold it so we know for a fact that um Jane Austen's first three novels were reworked a lot and they were edited and she kept going back to them mm-hmm. and there is nothing wrong with spending five years doing that and not writing something mm-hmm. new. And that doesn't mean that you've stopped writing. And just because you started a new novel, like, and we've all had disappointments. Like yeah, we've yeah. all started writing something and then not gone back to it. And that f- unfinished project doesn't mean that, you know, we're terrible writers right. or artists. That just means that you're doing the next thing. And she did, she wrote, she wrote three books after that. Yeah. So Bath didn't kill her. And I'm going to stop telling it did. Oh, I'm going to stop wow. telling people it did. Wow. I think my You're going to take those signs down in Bath. Yeah, you know, all of those. I'm going to burn You're gonna all of my s- I hate Bath t-shirts. Stop graffitiing. Yeah. Like, that's a thing yeah. that you do. Right? I've done that, yeah. I've been to prison for that. Um, so. <gasps> Bath killed Jane Austen. I'm going to just read you a little, a little quote from Paula Byrne. Sure. Because she says it so much more succinctly than I did. I should have just read this, and then the episode would have been like three minutes long. Oh, okay. Well, read it. Read it to me. Ultimately, Jane Austen had mixed feelings about Bath, as most of us do about the cities in which we live, but it inspired two remarkable novels. She took advantage of all that this vibrant environment could offer, and it was here that she thought she could see the first of her books in print, but it would also be the place where she suffered her greatest loss. Mm. So, yeah, it's just complicated. It's all great. It inspired one remarkable novel. Persuasion. Northang Abbey is not a bad novel. It's funny. We love Tilney. I love John Thorpe. It's fine. She was young. So in short, 
Thank you for listening to this tirade, Lauren, listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my opinion on Jane Austen, just like my opinion on birth, is constantly shifting. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know how it feels. We kind of started doing this podcast as fans. Right. And then, turn, like, what, half biographers, half... Definitely not experts, but people who were reading about the subject and thinking about it maybe more than someone who'd, like, read the books once. But that doesn't mean that we're right all of the time. And sure. I think sometimes you just, I, well, I certainly just need to check in with myself. And remember, um, just like when I was 15 years old, my English teacher told me to be more careful about making flippant remarks because people oh. would listen to me and believe them to be true. So <laughs> 13 years later, still doing that. Her name was Miss Bennett. No so, way. Yeah. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. So sorry, Miss Bennett. I am still... I'm still telling people that Barbara Barrow was a tart. Wow. That's like a Michael Frayn reference, if anyone's read Spies. But <laughs> I got told off for that. And I'm sure that she'd be horrified that I'm like, Jane Austen hated Bath. And everyone sat there doing their GCSE exams going, Jane Austen hated Bath. Not that any of you smart people are really listening to what I'm saying that much. But I'm going to make you do a Bronte retractions episode. Sure. And it'll be one minute and you'll just go, no, I stand by it. I stand by it. So, oh, I have some things to read. Oh, what are they? Yeah, here, let me uh, let me pull these up real quick. This is exciting. I looked up a few reviews of on Amazon of uh, Becoming Jane. Yeah. <laughs> um, of Miss Austin Regrets. So here is a few uh, second opinions. Thank you. For you oh, all. I love it when we do. We, what did we do this for? We did this like last for the, year. Um, for the Pride not, and Prejudice. Yeah, um, not my Pride and Prejudice episode. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that, give that a go. So um, the first review I'm going to read for Becoming Jane really was my favorite. And it just says, oh. I did not order this movie. I don't appreciate being charged for a movie that I didn't order. So that's underlined. It is. Um, I think that's really interesting. Like, did someone just like send it to you? Did someone like, you know, hack your Amazon account and send you Becoming Jane? Because of all the movies, second review that we've got for Becoming Jane. The problem is the volume. It's too low and there are no English subtitles. So when they whisper, you can't hear them. When they talk softly, you can't hear them. And when they use an English word for something, you don't know what they said. The film is in English. It is. It is. So the reason I pulled this review is because I have a lot of American friends who like to buy movies, British movies, and they they turn up the volume or they use subtitles because they're like, I just, you know, I just, I need to turn the volume way up to understand these accents. And I'm like, does that really help? I don't know. Well, I'm the wrong person to ask. It's interesting though. So, you know, Anglophiles out there, let us know if you guys are using subtitles because I think you're cheating if you're using subtitles. Would you like to read I this? would love to read. So one. here is this, the third review is from Bill of Evergreen, Colorado, right? Okay, so Bill's got a lot to say about Becoming Jane. I'm going to do like a dramatic reading. Of okay. This. First, by Miramax 2007, 2008 version, if you want subtitles, the Echo Bridge 2011 version is inferior in this sense, at least. That's all in caps, guys. That's all in caps. I received the wrong print, even though I was careful to discern the difference and choose the Miramax 0708 version. 
I always order only subtitled versions, especially for English films. Especially for English films. This, this is, is a the thing. Same person. So I can be assured not to miss something due to an accent or slight hearing difficulty. Now I love this film. Caps. I've yet to find a flaw in any aspect of it. I give it five stars because it's perfect, Jane Austen, even though it's not three exclamation marks. <laughs> The acting, direction, locations, exquisite attention to every detail are lavishly performed slash produced. Anne Hathaway and James McAvoy are just superb. Caps. Again. (laughs) I've seen it several times and just cannot imagine it being made better. It's the best Jane Austen that isn't. And if it were, it would be one of Jane's best. (laughs) That's a poem. That is... Going in the show notes. It's the best Jane Austen that isn't. And if it were, it'd be one of Jane's best. Okay. I simply adore this film. It's actually precious to me. Wets my eyes in the loveliest way every time I see it. Even the sadness has the sweetness of a very satisfying ending. Makes one sigh and smile. Hope I've not spoiled anything after all. Jane's stories are loved for their sweet endings. Can barely believe the petty criticisms here and there among the reviews for Anne's accent not being English enough or whatever. Who cares? To me, it's not even noticeable. Enjoy this absolutely charming, if a bit bittersweet, true love story with the abandoned of trust that, well, that I recommend it wholeheartedly. Smiley face. Bill, I'm not going to say your full name. Oh, no, no, it's this. Bill of Evergreen, Colorado. Your identity is safe. P.S. Make up a big pot of English tea and some tasty scones or muffins to go with it. I just can't help feeling a nice glow, even after an hour of watching it. Bye-bye. Oh, I felt good reading that. Yeah. That was great. I wish I was Bill. I would love to read every review Bill has ever written. I'm going to look up his Amazon profile right now. I think I want to date Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Bill's my my guy. Hey. Hey, Bill, put the pot on. I'm coming over for a crumpet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Bill is amazing. It's the best Jane Austen that isn't. And if it were, it'd be one of Jane's best. There we go. Just for a third time. So there's a couple of Miss Austin regrets. There We've got are to move a couple. On. We've got to move on from we Bill. We do. I mean... That's sad. Guys, rewind it and re-listen <laughs> to that. That just was over magic. and over and repeat. I know. I was reading that while we were watching, and I was just like, this is I'm so glad that good. I saw it in that moment. This is good. Um, Miss Austin regrets. So, okay. This I find interesting. So this this woman says that she didn't really care for this portrayal of Jane Austen. For me, the character was cold and flippant, well acted with some big names, but I was disappointed. I mean, ruined Jane Austen for her. Yeah. Which I think that this portrayal of Jane Austen will ruin Jane Austen for certain people. Yeah. So uh, warning. Yeah. Not warning. for bonnets, people. Not for bad people. I don't think. Yeah. Bad with, like, the little at sign and not, like, or if you like this film, you're a bad person. If you like this podcast, you're a bad person. Yeah, if you like this podcast, you're a bad person. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I was like, yeah. Well, well that would be a good t-shirt. Not, uh... I'm a bad person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> unisex for the lads, because I know there's a couple of you now. Yeah, so. we got two. We got Andrew. We got Dan. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Matt. Ooh. Oh, I think there's a Tom, maybe. Is there a Tom? No, I don't know. Guess what, Andy? I know you don't listen to it, so. I'm just saying men's names now. Uh, what a, would you like to read the last okay. Miss Austin Regrets review? I wrote this one, actually. So. Oh, you did? No, I didn't. <laughs> I, should, I should just start writing reviews on Jane Austen. So. Yeah. I liked it as a whole. Good acting. But these period pieces seem to be always so dark in appearance, and so are the scripts. Hugh Bonneville has aged with grace. <laughs> <laughs> he always has a slight smile. Even in the sad parts, he is fun to watch. Greta, well done, Lauren, uh, is doing well even after all these years. Yeah. Her acting is good. It was worth the watch, dot, dot, dot. I like to make that like a negative review towards the end. I like that Hugh Bonneville <laughs> is like a shining angel and Greta's doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh Bonneville is great in this. He's always but great. But Greta is fire. She is fantastic. Yeah. And she's doing so well after all these years. <laughs> I know. Can you believe a woman after all these years? My God. They haven't put her out to pasture She yet. must be past 40. It's this crazy. is probably final performance. <laughs> R.I.P. Greer. Speaking of reviews, mm. we don't often do this, but guys, if you're listening, you'll be listening to this on somewhere, but if you're listening to it on iTunes specifically, please consider leaving us a review. It uh, helps us reach new audiences. Sure. Yeah. Hopefully they'll just listen to like the later episodes and not the early ones where I'm kind of spouting off and I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. Although I did tell them all of the ones where I was wrong. I was like, listen to the bath one. I'm really bad <laughs> on that. Um, leave us a review. Tell us how much you like Lauren. Oh. Or Hannah. Thanks. That was good. <laughs> that was like a little bit. We didn't rehearse that. We just like each other. We didn't. We're just in the same room. It's always better when it's we're in the so same nice. room. It's so nice. It's crazy crazy guys yeah you could do that you could also follow us on the social medias hannah if they want to do that how how do they do it i don't i have this iphone i don't know what to do i was i was gonna throw that to you this week because oh. i talked so much but i can do it don't worry <laughs> guys you can find us as always on instagram and twitter at bonnets at dawn you can email us bonnets at dawn at gmail.com and you can join our thriving facebook community by searching bonnets at dawn in the little search bar and answering the question when it says do you listen to the podcast we mean you listening right now that's yeah. you tell us you listen tell us whose team you're on maybe let us know if there's an author you want to talk about that we haven't yet yeah absolutely especially if it's jane austen oh all right we haven't talked about her enough <laughs> we haven't look we've got a bonnet to dawn email that's just come in have we yeah we have we so, open it. Let's see what it says. Yeah, we're going to open that and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.